Section 7 of Dallam's Travels with an Organ to the Grand Seigneur, 1599-1600, by Thomas Dallam. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Now, having redeemed our men out of prison, the next day being the 30th, or last day of June, we weighed anchor, hoisted sail, and so to sea. The first of July, being under sail, we entered the sea Aegean, passing by and amongst the isles of Archipelago, where is a marvellous company of little islands. The second day we sailed by one of them amongst the rest, leaving it south. It is called Stanco, Caos. Upon the north side very pleasant low ground, where seemed to be not only store of vines, but plenty of other fruit. Also we see a very fine town, whose walls resist the waves of the sea. Within the town very fair buildings, the which was never done by the Turks, though they now enjoy the same. It was our hap to cast anchor before the town all night, but in the morning we set sail, the town is called Stanco by the name of the island. The third day, standing upon the spar deck of our ship, I told no less than sixteen islands which were round about us. The fourth day, leaving Leros south, we came to the island Samos, where that famous philosopher Pythagoras was born. This island, for the most part, is inhabited with greeks the wind being very contrary to our course that finding a fair road we cast anchor there where we might see a little town a mile and better from the shore the people in the town seeing our ship come to an anchor we saw them run into the fields and drive away their cattle with great speed up into the mountains also in the road half a mile from us was a little ship or bark the which they hauled ashore and carried away the goods that was in her but they took more pains than they needed for we meant them no harm and one hour within night we weighed anchor but the wind was so directly in the narrow passage we had to go betwixt that island and another that we could not pass but were forced to put in again at the south-east corner of the same island under huge mountains mount kirki at the west end of samos to my thinking it is only one pumice stone and of certainty all that part which was next unto the sea is a firmy stone and very straight upright the next day some of our men went ashore to see if they could find any fresh water and to cut down some firewood one of those men being a very bold fellow stole away from his fellows and went to the town aforesaid he presumed partly upon his language but the rest of his fellows came aboard without him and every one did think he was taken prisoner the next day about ten of the clock he came to the seaside and waved for a boat so when he came aboard he brought with him some hens and some bread 
and was half drunk with wine about two hours after came to the shore the captain of that island who was a turk and brought with him a present in hope to receive a better here doth grow a kind of grain or corn which they do call millet a small seed much like unto canary bird seed the increase of it at the least one hundred and fifty fold they make of it finer bread than of wheat the eighth day died one john canill servant to mr wiseman merchant who was also one of the owners of our ship the tenth day we weighed anchor and proved to pass our course but the wind would not suffer us being west and by north as it was before when we saw that we could not prevail against the wind we came round to that place where we did first anchor thinking there to get some better store of victuals and fresh water but being very dark before we could get into the harbour by the negligence of him that sounded our ship was aground the which turned us to great fear and much trouble a great part of that night yet in the end all was well but in the morning when we did think to have gone ashore we espied four galleys and a frigate which came stealing by the shore the galleys stayed a league off under the shore of asia the less but the frigate came into the road to see what we were and there came to an anchor the which when our master perceived not knowing what their intent was he caused anchor to be weighed with all speed and being under sail the frigate went before us and also the galleys for then our master proposed to go that way which before he durst not adventure for whereas we should have left this island on our right hand now we left it on our left hand and ventured to go betwixt a marvellous straight passage for such a ship as ours was even in the straightest place these four galleys stayed for us but when they see our strength and boldness they were afraid of us they had placed their galleys close by the shore so that either the beak head did touch the shore or else their oars might and yet had we hardly room enough to pass betwixt their oars and the mainland our master caused all our company to stand up and make as great a show as we could and when we were right over against them our five trumpets sounded suddenly which made them wonder looking earnestly upon us but gave us not a word so we dashed them out of countenance who meant to have feared us and we left them by the shore of samos being the eleventh day of july the twelfth day we descried chios the thirteenth we sailed by the shore of that island the fourteenth we came to an anchor in a road two leagues short of the great town or city of chios so called by the name of the island the fifteenth day in the morning our long-boat being ready to go ashore for fresh water which we stood great need of for in three days before 
we had nothing to eat but rice boiled in stinking water and our beverage did also stink the boat being launched three of our gentlemen passengers came unto me and asked me if i would go ashore to see if we could buy some fresh victuals and i said yea with all my heart as soon as we were in the boat the master was told of it and he looked over the ship's side and spoke unto me for the other might have gone with his good will and never come again neither would he have stayed half an hour for them but they did know that he would not leave me behind so the master asked me whither i would go and i told him but to set foot on shore drink some fresh water and come aboard with the boat then he bid me come aboard again presently but the gentleman had me betwixt them and held me fast neither did i mean to do as he bid me well said the master i see ye will go ashore and the company that is now with you will draw you up to yonder town which you see and i will tell you before you go that which you shall find true in no part of the world doth grow any mastic but in this island and now is the time for it the commodities here are nothing but mastic cotton wool and wines you cannot go to yonder town but you must needs go through the gardens where these things grow and if you be seen to take one sprig of mastic or one pod of cotton wool or one bunch of grapes it is a whole year's imprisonment and there will be no redemption for you therefore do not say but that i gave you sufficient warning etc this island of chios is rising from the seaside some three or four miles and this town which we meant to go unto is two miles from the sea and it seemed afar off to be a pretty town with a castle in the midst of it when the master had told us his mind for the dangers we might fall into unawares then he said to me that if i came not back again with the boat when she had taken in water he would set sail and be gone but we feared not that for as soon as we came to land we went directly to the town it was upon the sunday and the people seeing our ship come to an anchor and seldom had seen the like in that country and likewise saw us come ashore many women and children came to meet us who wondered as much at us as we did at them we went on right forwards giving nobody one word till we came into the middle of the town under the castle wall and there standing still looking about us there came a greek unto us and demanded whom we sought for or whither we would go two of our company that could speak italian well who answered that our coming was to buy some victuals this man said there was a consul in the town and we must repair unto him before we could have anything so he went with us unto the consul's house 
the streets were full of people which flocked together to look upon us when we came to the consul's house we were to go up a pair of stairs made like a ladder at one end of the house without the ladder went up to a stage or scaffold which was on the back side of his house that looked right towards the sea where our ship lay at anchor the consul was upon this stage sitting at a table and with him there were six very gallant gentlewomen and very beautiful as soon as we came up these brave women arose and went away and the consul came unto us embracing us one after another and bid us very welcome he caused the table to be furnished with a very fine banquet of sweetmeats and but two little cakes of bread our drink was very good raspis raspberry whilst we sat there talking the common sort of the people in that town came to the garden walls for on that side of the house was the consul's garden and the walls were of stone without mortar and the people did so much desire to see us that they did climb upon the walls the consul many times stood up chiding them and shaking his hand at them threatening punishment but the more he chid the more the people did climb upon the wall and the wall being overladen down came the wall making a great noise the length of a pair of boats and almost so much in another place the which made the consul very angry and he might very well have wished that we had not come there where we sat we might see our ship right before us and we see the boat go aboard with water in this meantime the consul had sent two men about the town to see what victuals they could get for us at the end of two hours they came again and told us that they could find nothing that was to be sold at that time being sunday but about a bushel of garlic the which we were contented to take because we would have something and we saw that we were troublesome to the consul so having taken our leaves of the consul he appointed one to carry our garlic to the town's end before us going down the ladder from the scaffold upon both sides of the ladder did stand the chiefest women in the town in degrees one above the other to see us at our going away they stood in such order as we might see their faces and breasts naked yet were they very richly apparelled with chains about their necks and jewels in them and in their ears their heads very comely dressed with ribbons of diverse colours but that which made us most admire them was their beauty and clear complexion i think that no part of the world can compare with the women in that country for beauty but afterwards we understood that if we had gone to the city which was but six miles further we should have been much better entertained for in that city was an english consul whose name was mr william aldridge a fine gentleman but our master would not put in there for fear of being put to some charge 
for he was a very miserable and sparing man all for his own profit and not regarding to satisfy other men's desires or to give his passengers any content being come aboard our ship with our bag of garlic it was not so slenderly regarded but that we might have had chapmen buyers for it and our money again with profit End of section seven